Hello and welcome to episode 221 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Hello, Colin. The man at the end of this <laughs> very long week of back... Two weeks of back shifts now. Two so. weeks of working late. Um, I've not been near a cinema. I've had time to watch pretty much anything substantial in that whole time and I feel like a fucking drug addict that's been deprived of, of his substance. So it I'm is very... odd how you crave it, isn't it? Like, if you don't... Like, yeah. I, I, Jill was actually more amazed at how I've been, like, during like, the whole lockdown and stuff like that. I, was, I didn't go stuff crazy because, like, I demand the cinema. Like, I need the yeah. cinema. It's something that I, I actually sort of... Like, sort of it, makes, it makes me whole in some way. So if I don't yeah. have that... That's what I was going to say. It's almost like our church. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. when you go to, you know, just kind of wash it all away and, you know, find serenity, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's three it's, hours, two or three hours in silence um, or, yeah. you know, just sort of let something wash over you, no matter what it is, to like sort of yeah. just to feel reset a little bit. Absolutely, so you, yeah. When you don't have that for like two weeks, it's sort of it's tough. And some there's been a couple of times during like even the last couple of months when I've went two weeks without going to cinema, just because like, there's maybe nothing on or times don't really suit and things like that. So it's, it's a bit harder to get to cinema now than it used to oh, be. Yeah. Um, and I feel a wee bit kind of anxious, going like I really need to get to go and see something. Yeah, but it's even more so because because of the hours I'm working that there's not a lot of time. There's no time in the mornings to watch anything. And by the time you finish in the evening, have your dinner, get ready for the next day, there's no real time right. to kind of dig, dig into anything meaty as well. So it's like it's not it's not even any kind of TV viewings as well. And I'm ju- I'm just desperate to just uh, I'm off all next week, so I'm going to watch a shit ton of stuff. Aye. Stuff that I don't even want to watch. Well, just, watch just anything that's on. <laughs> I, I have noticed as well, cinemas don't seem to be doing quite as late as shows recently. You know, maybe it's... Yeah, and they don't do earlier ones. They all tend to... Remember we used to get... They just start about half ten, but now it seems to be about twelve o'clock. Midday. I was looking at that. Yeah. I, used to be able to go up, I used to be able to go up to the cinema at half... T- be up there for half ten. Go and see a film at half ten. I could probably get four films in, in that yeah. day. But now you're looking at like a twelve o'clock start. Maybe it's, maybe it's to do with the cleaning and stuff. Like they have to clean it early morning and late yeah. night. So... Even the last film seems to be about nine-ish. So it seems yeah. to be the sort of very latest and a film will start now. Yeah, um, I've you, noticed, yeah. But yeah. used to, I mean, Sydney World up at um, Renfrew Street, you used to have films on there starting like, at like quarter to 11 and stuff like that. It'd be like a really, like... That's right. I once, because I remember there's quite a few ones that I really wanted and like, yeah, it was just like, Almost a midnight showing. Uh-huh. I mean, it was so late on. It was like I just can't get home that time of night. And yeah. then just area would start summer at like ten, quarter past ten in the morning. So you could, on a good day, squeeze in five at a real push. But yeah, like four movies was not not on many many a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas now, I even free kind of try to time it and kind of stretch it is a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Kind of harder to plan nowadays, so it's, yeah, it's not quite as easy. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so um, we're not doing this again remotely via Zoom because obviously, um, it's always bonfire nights. So Glasgow and West of Scotland is in chaos because you know everyone's sending plasma explosive into the sky, yeah, um, yep. and also Glasgow's kind of a no go area right now if you, unless you want to protest, um, anything, yeah, COP26 is in full flow, isn't it? Um, yeah, we were told to don't go in the office, stay away from the office, yeah. so yeah, we were. Um, been working at home for the past two weeks as well. Yeah, as always. Are you drinking anything yeah. interesting? I see you're drinking something, but I'm going to guess it looks like Bud Light or something like. Oh, Corona, fancy. Yeah, Mexican. Back on the Mexican Corona again. <laughs> Very fancy. At least it's uh, not salt. <laughs> well, I love souls. Like great, I love salt. Don't don't you this Mexican? We've had the whole Mexican beer chat before. We have. We have. A, a nation that fucking you know. Thrives in spicy food. They're going to make good beer. That's that's, that's my logic, man. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> what are you drinking? I've got one that looks. It looks like a generic, like sort of like the Tesco own brand beer. Uh huh. The Garden yeah, Brewer. 
Yeah, it's called the Garden Brewery. It's a New England IPA. It's from Croatia, I think, as well, because I'm, I'm my last my Croatian beers. Um, but it does the, the can does not inspire much. It looks very much like sort of like you know your Aldi version of a, of it, a IPA. It, it does. Right. So right. So what I'd right here we go. Right. So so it's a, 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 a what IPA? Sorry, Brooklyn New England. IPA, New England IPA. Right. But created in Croatia, right? Yes. So I don't. I, I'm confused here. So I think it's just to do like, with the, I think it's to do with the brewing style. You know, the same way like West is sort of like it's done German. in the German style, and you get other right. styles. So I think it's just to do with like maybe the way they roast the the. the I, I didn't. I didn't realize America was so localized, and it's it's kind of styles of beer that that you know they would produce so many different regional beers that yeah. other countries. I mean, New England's quite a big. New England's about is about six states. So in fairness. Yeah, it's quite yeah. big. Yeah, so it's actually right. a big okay. area. Right. Okay. Cool. No, that makes a bit more sense. Thank you for coming yeah. up for me. You're welcome. Sorry. Um, so I'm that. Very refreshing. Very, but very nondescript. Yeah. You know, What's the strength for it? Is it a strong beer or is that just a light one? Don't think it's six percent. So it's five. Actually, yeah, yeah. Four but, eight, and you'd feel it in your knees. Yeah. yeah, but it's very much just very refreshing, but not really. Um, and particularly brilliant about it, but it's nice. It's, it's like it's nice for a Friday night when we're hey. uh, moving on to our, our viewing. So you've not really watched much. So what have you watched no. of interest at home? Um, the, the, well, I've been watching Fraser and Cheers, so I'm still in the nineties just now. Um, still in the eighties, I think. So to be honest, if you're watching Fraser and Cheers, I think we've passed the eighties episodes and we're up to the nineties now. Right, okay, fair enough. Fair um, enough. So I'm, I'm early nineties. I mean, like you know, very early nineties. Yeah, turn turn the turn the. The decade. Um, the, the the one thing that I did watch that wasn't Frasier or, or Cheers was um, a documentary which I watched last night called um, The Raincoat Killer. Um, and it's a Korean documentary um, okay. about it- the police hunting Korea's alleged first serial killer. Um, so this was... Um, what did say, 1990, I believe it was? Um, 1990 was- was for Korea to get a serial killer? Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> know. I, I was really, that's what I'm saying, alleged, because I don't alleged, know maybe the record yeah. sort of that wasn't recorded kind of before then. Mm. Um, but it was, um, yeah, essentially that this fella um, killed an old couple, um, you know, bludgeoned with the effort hammer, um, and um, their, their son. And then there was more murders seen, um, you know, kind of roundabout, got kind of ganged them, then more in an art area. And they kind of all had different MOs, but right. there was kind of enough similarity that the police started talking to each other, different jurisdictions, and thinking, hold uh-huh. on a minute. And it turned out this fella had killed 20 people. Um, yeah, yeah. And basically, you know, kind of led the police in a merry, a merry dance, um, all the will where they were trying to catch him. Um, because it sounds a lot like America, where you've got like kind of state troopers and then county sheriffs, and they don't always tell each other what's going I think on. That's how serial killers manage to operate in America like a lot better than they do, say, in Britain for a long time, because they can they move between states, and the states basically just don't talk to each other. Yeah, there was one point where you know some detectives had. had we're dealing with a murder case, and like, why didn't you tell us about it? And they're like, because there's nothing to do with you. Do you I, know what I mean? so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, ultimately, they, they apprehended this guy, and he's, he's you know, sentenced to death and stuff like that. But what was really refreshing about it was um, it gave some some quite good insight into the, the, the kind of Korean, you know, like when, when we've watched things like Parasite, and, and more recently, I would guess, Squid Game, stuff like that, even Training mm. Bassan, I guess. Um, there's always this kind of strong divide in, in Korean cinema and, and movies about kind of rich and poor and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and I don't because that I mean I don't know much about Korean culture and I've never kind of delved. So I didn't know much about it. But this documentary actually 
kind of gives you a bit of background into mm. why there's this rich poor divide and you know right, okay. how it happened and stuff like that. So it was really interesting to give you some, some you know history about Korea as well. So I think the documentary made, made more for like a non-Korean audience and it's made for like it's made for a Western audience. No, it's Korean. I mean, it, I think know, Korean. It's, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's pure, pure Korean, and you know all the way. It's we know subtitles a lot. Um, so okay. it, you know, it's, it's made in Korea as well. But um, it what it done was you know like a lot of these documentaries kind of focus on like the killer. Um, you know, like, like kind of gacy and stuff like that. It's all yeah. about the killer, the killer. This really kind of you know looked into the police procedures and what they done, what they got wrong, and the killer barely featured in it. And it was really, really refreshing just to see. I'm, I'm a fan kind of that. Of, I like that because yeah. I feel like you, you, we've talked about it before that a lot of this kind of basically with the rise of Netflix documentaries about you know serial killers. Serial killers have potentially became sort of like almost like anti-heroes in some yeah. in a way. You know, sort of like yeah, people mm. have this sort of really sort of strong pull towards like they almost like the murder victim is almost just there for entertainment, and, and they don't really see that as anything other than entertainment. It's like no, someone's died for this yeah. you know, because of this guy. So the idea of it yeah. focusing on less on him and more on the you know, how they caught them or how they do yeah. stuff, that's actually quite refreshing because you don't really see that um, often enough. But I, I would really recommend watching it. It takes, you know, twists and turns and there's stuff in it. You know, I can't believe the police were so inept and done this and done that. But um, it, just for the, the commentary on Korea as well, uh, it's really, really, really good. I enjoyed it oh, a lot. Because you, you know, I don't like that. Netflix, um, Amazon, Net- where is it? Netflix, I believe it is. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of documentaries, so when one does get my attention, it's it's a rare find, um, indeed. So yeah, check it out the Raincoat Killer. It's called. Fair Over I to will, you, sir. I'm totally sitting in silence now for the next. No, because the one thing they about is, I finally finished. I finished not uh, only murders in the building. Yeah, that episode I was telling you about. Not my favourite. No, I loved how it because no. it took me and Lorraine were about halfway through before we realised there was no dialogue. We were like, "Fuck!" No, the, the I think no at times, I think at times the conceit of it felt forced. Yeah, particularly when it's Martin Short being quiet, like the man's never been quiet in his life. Um, so that this felt a bit forced. But no, still very, very good, and the whole series was very, very good. I enjoyed the mm. twist. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the sort of you know how it all pans out. I, I also quite enjoy how it's. Setting up, it's the second season setting up seems quite an interesting idea, as opposed to you know I was kind of worried about how they were trying to set that up, but I'm well yeah. done. It feels almost like I've wrote that at the end, almost as sort of like this will be a a cliffhanger that's not going to have any resolution, but in reality they went oh well, you're, going to, you're going to do this thing, you're like oh shit now we've got to went to corner, we're trying to write ourselves out of this corner now, which is which quite cool. The, yeah, which they've done really well. Yeah, in terms of the, the series as well, but yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. TV really enjoyable. Done, ten yeah. episodes. Everyone, every episode is really it's great. I, mean, I think the longest is like forty minutes long. It's just nothing yeah. really hangs around. Uh, yeah. Martin Short is one of those guys. He is phenomenal. Just not saying anything. Just sort of like yeah. just standing there, um, <laughs> yeah. and just you're know, literally just standing there, just like reacting to things. He is like he is a master. Is, of just, you like, watch him, you're just like wow. And Steve Martin's just he's still Steve Martin. Do you know what I mean, he's he's had Steve Martin did a lot of fun in this. You know, for the first yeah. time in a long time, he's been a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed the stuff with his um, body double. I thought that was really funny. That was brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's going somewhere as well eventually, yeah. hopefully, because um, they so can't not, just leave that. For a 10-episode season, I, I found it really enjoyable and really fun. And um, it's one of those things, I, I watched it over the course of maybe like two or three weeks, so we kind of passed out a little bit. And I think maybe that helped a little bit, watching it in that 
in that way. I don't know how much you would have it if you wanted to sit and binge it in like one day. It feels like maybe yeah. you maybe lose the sort of enjoyment of it. I, yeah, I think it needs to breathe a couple and then let it breathe and you know, then yeah. back to, yeah, I think you're I'm right, always definitely. feeling a bit gutted I didn't watch it, but you watch it, you know, watching it week to week. Yeah. Um, so I think when, yeah. it, when season two does eventually come along, I think I probably will watch it um, uh, week to week and enjoy it. Um, Episodically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it that way. So yeah. yeah, really enjoy all the models in the building. Um, on to that, when we want to the movies for this week. So there's a, we've got a few to talk about. I'll try and convince you to watch or not watch, as the case may be. Okay. Um, so the first one is a Netflix film. It's the prequel. It's called Army of Thieves, directed by Matthias Schwaffenhofer. There you go. It says... <laughs> Debut solo feature. He has done a few films as a co-director, but I, 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 nothing of real note that I've, I sort of, I've seen or anything. So, this is a prequel to Army of the Dead. There's the, the Zack Snyder massive zombie epic that came out maybe three, four yeah, months ago. Yeah, not long ago at all. So this but, is this is fast, isn't it? This, well, is, this was in production before uh, I think they all unwrapped. I think pretty much. Yeah, oh, right. Production, okay. so they were, yeah, they're already on, on the way. Um, this is the interesting concept. It's a zombie. It's a prequel to a zombie film that really doesn't feature zombies at all. Um, the plot of this one is a character who's in Army of the uh, sorry, uh, Army of the Dead, who's a safe cracker in it. Mm. The boy that looks like Anthony Michael Hall, but he's not. Yes, him. The, yeah. um, so he has recruited um, via competition um, to, to crack safes, and there's a sort of like, like four sort of uncrackable safes. These sort of like mythical safes that they want to try and break into. Really, just for fun, you know, they, they do take the money when they get there, but really, it's more just to say we did it. You know, it's like you know the whole, you know, why just Captain, climb the mountain because it's Captain there? Kirk, yeah, yeah, why climb the mountain because it's their type of thing. So it's that idea, um, and with that, you get a basically it's like a standard heist movie, with all about a rom com in it as well. So it's very different in tone from the, uh, from what it's sort uh, of Army of the Dead, yeah, Army of yeah. the Dead. because so, there's maybe I think there's maybe two shots of zombies in, it and it's really all, it's only in the news. Like, so there's no zombies actually in the plot at all. There's nothing zombie-esque in the plot whatsoever. So quite an odd way to come to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Is it so, only a single character that ties them? Just just one character yes. as well? Yes. That's really, yeah, seems yeah. a bit strange. But yeah, yeah, it's an odd way to go. So you've got um, the director, Matthias Schwaffenhofer. He is also in it. He plays uh, um, the safe cracker, the one who's in... Army of the Army of the uh, sorry, Oh, right, is that him? The, the, the Anthony for Hallboy. Ah, yeah, right. Okay, director as well. Uh-huh. Um, you get Nathalia Manuel, who you probably know from Game of Thrones. She's popped up in that. Um, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Missandra, yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, yep. Ruby Goose came in and Stuart Martin. So the rest of the cast are pretty much nondescript. In fact, none mm-hmm. of the cast are really sort of household names by any stretch. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting choice, you know, it's, because it's like you, you maybe come to it Imagine the audience for this. What it's, it's kind of weird because it's got it can actually attract two audiences who are very different because people who are fans of Army of the Dead might go, right, I want to see more of this, or I want to see more of these characters. So they all sit and watch it. Yeah. Equally, if all the trails I've saw for everything prepared about it just puts it across as a heist movie, which that is what it's essentially is just a heist film. So you get that audience who don't who might be put off by the zombie film aspect, so they don't yeah. get that. So that's it's quite a weird. We're coming out. It's made me thinking: Has it? Is there many films where you get a sequel or a prequel that's completely different from, like, yeah. like Alien and Aliens are sort of the two I can think of. But they, even they're still about an alien. You know, it's still, it's yeah, not like, yeah, yeah. They still centralise around 
that's the theme, or there's a fucking alien trying to kill you. Aye, yeah. there's, there's actually very few films where it's like the, the actual point is completely different from the, uh, the, the source. The, the source, the, yeah. The, the root one, so it's quite, quite odd in that way. Um, so it's an interesting choice, and it's, it actually worked out as if it had been a fairly decent um, heist movie. Um, it's got it's got a kind of cool structure of the the, the I've mean, nearly break into I think it's three safes and the fourth one's the one that's in Las Vegas that's the one he wants to do in Las Vegas mm. so the three want to do it so and they, they managed to do every heist in a sort of slightly different way to make it interesting so it's not just them you know so the, the, the way they structure the way they break it down is, is interesting so it, it keeps it you know moving along yeah. um, there's a nice sort of rom rom comedy part in it as well it sort of is mostly sweet doesn't feel too creepy in that actually works really well um, lead role uh, Matthias he is actually Enjoyable in this one, I found him quite irritating. I found him like sort of out of place in the army of the dead. Yeah, he was like... a bit kind of smug and you know, yeah, kind of nervous. The last one, yeah, yeah. felt like he's totally not fitting with the film. Whereas mm-hmm. in this film, it fits in with what he's doing, so it totally works. So that's a film, it found him enjoyable. Um, okay. The rest of the cast not really having much to do, unfortunately, and um, they're trying to get a little bit of sort of like almost fast and furious, witty, you know, bringing the gang together, banter going on, but you don't know enough of them to, to really. Care yeah. about it, so it yeah, doesn't really. Yeah. It feels a bit flat. I guess Fast and Furious has cultivated that over what ten movies. Ten now, movies, where, yeah. So yeah, this feels yeah. a little bit flat, um, mm-hmm. it, and even at that, it's still limited by its budget as well. You can tell they've, they've been struggling to like sort of try and you know pull it off in the same way that something like Fast and Furious does. You know, because there is a yeah. couple of decent car chases in it, but again, it's struggling to do what it can do with the budget it's got. Um, and like a lot of Zack Snyder, he's not directing this one, but he's producing it. Like a lot of Zack Snyder stuff, it basically overstays its welcome by about, you know, 30 odd minutes. Yeah. You know, if they trimmed it back to, I think it's like just, just over two hours, I think it is possibly. If they trimmed it back to, let's like, even say, 100 minutes, you know, an hour and 40, I think you're going to get a much leaner, enjoyable film. There's a wee bit, it, it sags a little bit in the middle. What do you think Zack Snyder's shortest film is? I don't know, by the way. I, I, I'm, going to say Dawn, I'm going to say Dawn of the Dead, probably. I, I was thinking that myself, probably, because that's probably around about the two-hour mark, I would say. Maybe that. 300's not, not overly long. 300's pretty, it's pretty linear. Pretty as linear, well. yeah, yeah. And then you get things like Watchmen and stuff like that. that are just... Watchmen and Sucker Punch, and then you get the Man of Steel, and you get the yeah, um, Batman yeah. v Superman. They're, they're, they're pretty... Um, yep, epic. They're, they're epic, epic, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, sit down, get comfy, you're here for a while. Um, I'm going to look that up later and see. I'm quite interested to know yeah. that now. Yeah, question. I mean, I think you'll enjoy. I think if you watch it, you'll enjoy it. It's, it's it yeah. is really kind of casual Friday night viewing. You know, it's sort of very, it's kind of brainless, and it's for the most part, it's fun. When you're watching it. There's yeah. not, there's not that much you remember. Like a, a couple of days after, you're going, oh, it sort of sticks in the head. But for the time you're watching it, it's decently enjoyable. It's, it's a, I, I actually quite I enjoy heist movies. I quite like a heist movie. Um, so this is not by any means a bad addition to the. The genre. Um, the genre. It's not they, they, by no by no means is it, is it the best heist movie of all time, but it's definitely not in there. It's the, not, terrible. not terrible. Um is there any more planned for it? Is it going to be like a trilogy or I don't know, but he seems to think he seems like, when what I, I listened to an interview with Snyder and um Schweinhofer, um, and they were basically saying sort of like the idea of like sort of all these characters who are in Army uh, Army of the Dead, you could have some sort of prequel to them because they're all sort of they all come together. In Army mm. of the Dead, so there is sort of scope there to do something, I suppose. Yeah, yeah um, be interesting. Um, out of ten, sir, what would you give it? Six and a half. Um, and say it one more time for me. What's his name? Matthias Schweinhofer. 
<laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it, but I'm, I'm definitely guessing. There's, there's, there's at least four or five letters that don't need to be there, and I'm not entirely sure how them pronounced. Um, but yeah, so Army Thief, that's, and it's on, it's, it's on Netflix. So I mean, there's no, it's you're not paying any money. You see, essentially, yeah, you've already paid it. You've already got it. A cheap night, yeah, a couple of beers, yes. chill and enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. Like tonight for you, Friday night, not like go out anywhere. Just it's an ideal kind of film for a Friday night. Um, cool. on, on from that, we go to um, a cinematic release, and it's called Last Night in Soho. So I'm gonna have to do oh. this without spoiling. I know you want to see it. Yeah, I do want to see it. I'm excited yeah, for this so one. Directed by Edgar Wright, obviously he did Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim, um, you know, Ant Man. No, he wrote awesome. Ant Man. Controversially, yeah, yeah. Um, wrote Ant Man. That's about it. So yeah, it's it so, was um, meant. It was he meant to direct him. I mean, yes, he was. He was. Direct, he and was, then yes. yeah, it kind of fell apart. But they used components of his script, not all of it. Well, he, he got a story credit on it, which means they've not changed it enough from his original script to completely write him out of it. So there must be some elements in it. But interestingly, I remember yeah. reading that off a beaten path for this. I remember listening an interview with him, and he was saying the thing you think might be his isn't his. Oh, okay. So, see the whole thing with, like, a thing you do in the recap? Yeah. That feels very Edgar Wright. Yeah. That's not, not his. No, there's, the, the, there's a couple other bits in it. He did say that that was his idea, and that's what he's doing it, so that, that's how he keeps getting his story credit on it. But it's really weird. You think, oh, that must be the Edgar Wright bit. It's like, no, that's not my bit. That's, that's someone else's done that. pretty weird and eerie, but good as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's nuts. I did not know. I would have pegged that as his Well, that's why. I, 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 everyone pegged that. Well, that yeah. that's, that's the Edgar Wright bit in it, but it's not. Well, that's not the bit that he, that he's sort of, he says that. They did keep some of his stuff in it because it's in it. He gets a, a credit on it, but yeah. not the bit not the bits you think. Oh, well. I need yeah. to so anyway. do some digging about. Anyway, sorry. Digression. So, last night, Soho, uh, I'm going to try and use it. I'm trying to explain this without spoiling it. So essentially, it's, it's about a young girl who is a, so lives in, the, in Cornwall, she's very much a country girl, but she dreams of the big city. So she goes to the big city to become a fashion student. And when she gets to the fashion school, she goes into the Hall's residence and there's a bit of shit there because it's like basically people who are not like her and she wants to be, you know, away from them. Yeah. She moves into a, a flat um, or a bed set and the bed set appears to be in some way sort of haunted or she, and she also seems to have some sort of connection with the dead or the other realm because she's seen images of a dead mother around so you're not entirely sure if she's schizophrenic in some way or if she actually has brought up a, a connection in some way to the other realm in the past and um, okay. she starts to actually connect with the past um, in the guise of a woman who's like or sort of the antithesis of who she is um, and she sees her get murdered in, in her like sort of dream flashback paradoxy thing um, and she goes about trying to investigate who killed them well in the future. So try to find out things in the future that relate to the past, trying to figure out who actually was it that killed us. Uh, mm, okay, um, cool. And that's essentially it. So it's a time travel crime thriller. Horror. Sci-fi. <laughs> you, know, the, 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 you know, there's a dime a dozen, those kind of films. It's, you know, so. it's good when you can't finger something. Yeah. Or, I do, you know you're in for something you know, interesting at the very least, and yes. you know, hopefully good as well. But when you can't actually define the genre, you're like, yeah, this is this. Yeah, is really I think that's probably a fair yeah. way of putting it. So, in the film, you've got Thomas and Mackenzie who pops up. She's the sort of the main fashion student girl. She's the one who's sort of in the present day. Her sort of um, conduit to the past is um, a young woman called Anna Taylor Joy. She plays a young, like, um, wanna be singer, almost like a Silla Black type singer. Yeah. Wants to, wants yeah. To do that. Um, you get Matt Smith popping up in a very very sleazy Matt Smith role. Um, you also got Diana Rigg, 
popping up in it. Um, I think it was her last film as well. She, um, the film dedicated to her at the very start of it as well. Yeah. Um, Michael Ajeo and Terence Stamp pops up in it as oh, well. And, and, Mrs., and Mrs. Doyle from Fire Ted. That's some big fucking names. Yeah. That's, um, that's quite a stellar cast, I want to say. I think people like to work with Edgar Wright. And I think we can probably say up front, me and you are both fans of Edgar Wright. I don't think. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 without a doubt. Absolutely. Um, so I, I guess the, the, the big one, the big draw, surprisingly, is not Terence Stamp. Um, Anna Taylor-Joy, she seems to be, you know, she she's exploding into the scene in the past few years. I think um, she's you know really getting good roles. She seems to be choosing wisely, um, and and showing that there's much much more to her than you know like kind of horror films like The Witch and Split and stuff like that as well. Um, how was she in this? We'll get to her. I will. I will. She she will become part of it. I will get to her in a moment. Oh, okay, um, so, okay. just really, I find an interest about this film. This film has always been promoted not by the cast. It's always been promoted by Edgar Wright. So it's, it's there's very few directors who actually bear the draw. You think about it mm. nowadays? You know who? Yeah. You know Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright is in almost in that Tarantino world where he is the icon of the film. Yeah. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. I was intrigued by that. So this is absolutely 100 his most mature film to date. Well, it's it's stripped of a lot of the sort of the things you kind of know of Edgar Wright, you know, the flash quick editing and all that kind of thing. The, not what like the disparage, but almost like the Remy esque stuff he does. You know, he's quite mm-hmm. he's known for doing that kind of Remy fast yeah. editing, you know, the kind of very quick shots and stuff like that. Um, and it's got less like kind of bubblegummy feel to it than that. This is this is definitely it's darker. Um, not to say the other films weren't dark, this is definitely it does feel like a, a, a filmmaker who's Definitely stepped his game up to be more of a grown-up filmmaker, and I, I don't. Mm. I try not to use that disparagingly. Like I think a lot, every film he does seems very meticulously planned, and yeah. it's, not, it's not like David Driver. Clearly, we watched it recently. That is a that is an unbelievably like shot and yeah, yeah. Everything is is by design. Everything yes, there's, is, there's no mistakes know, in that. You know, everything's done. There's a clear a clear purpose in every shot. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. This is very much the same, but it just just feels a lot more mature. It feels like a, a like, it feels like. If there are films almost feel like a guy, and he's, he's not like young anymore, he's like, I think he's about 40 odd now, I think. So, he's yeah. not, so some of the films he's done before, like I think Sean the Daddy shot when he was still like just turning 30 and things like that. Sean the Daddy, they felt like a man, and he's like, so in the mindset of, of coming on late to mid 20s, early 30s, this feels like a mature filmmaker who's in his 40s now. He's sort of he's gathered all he's learned over the past, you know, 15 or so years and honed into this. So, in that respect, it looks fantastic, it does look utterly fantastic. Um, mm. The cinematographer, whose name I can't remember, is the guy who shot Old Boy. The, um, oh, right, okay. The, the original Old American, Boy, not... Yeah. Oh, the, the Korean one. Korean Old Boy, yeah, which looks oh, phenomenal. Oh, wow. okay. So right, yeah. This, this film looks amazing. Um, it very much feels like a London film, but not in a London film in the sense of you're seeing pictures of like the sort of the Tower Bridge or Buckingham Palace, but it does still feel like a London movie, if that, you know, yeah. which I really, I really appreciate. It's Especially uh, so like, I mean, you see a New York film and they don't show a statue of people, like, you don't have to show that. You can, you can make it more about a city yeah. without having to show the obvious icons. Yeah, it doesn't have to. Yeah, you don't have to kind of throw it in your face. Uh, Mike Paris is also. I've read a lot of reviews um, kind of saying that, 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 that they've captured Soho in the 60s, like, perfectly. It's, it's just like, you know, wow. Yeah. Really it, looks, it looks incredible. It looks stunning yeah. for what they've done. Um, and some of the staging of some of the stuff they do is, uh, you can look at it going, it looks really simple. I, like, I, I don't know how he did it because it looks so fluid. There's a scene when yeah. there's a dance scene when the camera, when it's Matt Smith dancing with Anya Taylor-Joy, but because she's the conduit of um, 
Thomas and Mackenzie carry that. Mackenzie's little flip back and forth between the two of them. Mm. But it's done in like a turn, but the, the camera never cuts away. So it, it has to be in some way done by like digital trickery, but I don't know yeah. where it, the cuts are. It looks phenomenal the way they do Flawless. it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's, it's a guy who, he knows what he's putting the camera, knows what everything the camera can show. When you see something on screen, you know it's there for a reason. It's not there because yeah. of accident. And um, you do find yourself looking for things, like when you know, pie past any sort of mirror or something like that, it's always a reflection of the real person type thing in it. Yeah. So yeah. you started, I'm obviously, at one point I was trying to look for, like, did he make the mistake of not having been never, from, I never noticed a mistake where it was the wrong person in the, in the camp, in the mirror. So he knows what he's doing. So that's yeah. really impressive. I do love films that make you study the background. Yeah. Any film that does that, I'm, I'm totally invested in straight away. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm there just watching your eyes are everywhere and you're drinking it in do you know what I mean without yeah. even realising it um, but yeah, yeah well that's what I felt as this film did it felt like it washed over you it felt like it, 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 uh, you, you feel like you, you get sucked up into the world of it which is something mm-hmm. that I feel was really most great films doing this one done the same yeah. um, joint leads are excellent Thomas McKenzie is the one who who um, showed us most of the, 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 the film she is the, she right. is the lead by, all, by, by every stretch she is the lead of the act film and she's very very good in it Anna Taylor Joy, every inch of the movie star you want to be. She looks like a movie star. She acts a movie star. She has a confident movie star. And everything about her says she will be a star for God knows how long um, because she has got everything about her. She is fantastic in this. She looks the part and everything as well. Um, Yeah. yeah, I I have enjoyed it. I think I saw Obviously, The Witch, she was fantastic in. Can I film? Remember me? I don't know if you went and saw it, but I saw it myself called Thoroughbreds. No, you've seen that one. I've not. And I thought she was phenomenal in that. And this is sort of, and I've kind of been. Definitely a fan of her since. Obviously, Queen Gambit yeah. this year, she was excellent in. Um, the X-Men film, maybe less so. It wasn't a great, well-done film, but it's yeah. not really her. She, she was all right yeah, in it. Yeah, she wasn't film. bad in it. She wasn't the worst thing about that film. Yeah, she was yeah. good in Split as well. So, yeah, she's definitely yeah. an actress you will keep an eye on. She is excellent in it. Um, she seems to have an eye for a role just now, which is good, because I think it's easy to just kind of take what's coming and, you know, fall into the kind of screen queen and stuff like that. But she seems to be... Making smart decisions, you know, and saying, no, you know, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And she's, every time she's doing that, she's nailing it. I think the smartest thing so. she did was, do, I think the smartest thing she's done was to do Queen's Gambit, because that put you on Netflix and every, every person's home, you know, it's, like, it yeah. takes a lot, you got, it takes a lot to go out to the cinema and go and see something. And it's idea of like mm. being in someone's home, you get, in, you get, people notice you then. Like, I remember hearing a story of like, I remember Kevin Smith talking to Robin Williams at one point and he said to him, what do people still recognise you from? And anyway, and this was like doing a film in Goodwill Hunting, you know, and mm-hmm. William was basically replying saying, oh, they still know me as Mark. The world still knows me as Mark. You know, yeah. how can that be? That, that, was, that was 1970 and it's like you've been in hundreds of things since you've won Oscars and stuff like that. Are you going to win an Oscars? You know, he said, yeah, but you're in, you're in someone's home every morning yeah. or every afternoon. That's how you get you know, to know them. Like insanely yeah. ingrained in, 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 the, in the mind. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty Absolutely. sure there's probably people, who, probably people of our age who don't know who Army Hammer is, really, because they don't, they've never seen a film with Army Hammer in it, or yeah. anyone, you know, or Olivia Cook yeah. or people who don't, because they don't see him in a film, whereas yeah. they will know who Anna Taylor Joy is because she's in a massive, you know, TV to, production. To, to, to grip a nation as well, um, you know, with the premise based in the 1950s chess world. Oh, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to have, you need your lead to have charisma to totally. do that on it. So, and so, yeah, yeah she's definitely, she, she's definitely up and coming and she's heading for bigger, bigger things, I think, yeah. for sure. So, How, Terrence, Terrence Stamp, tell me about Terrence Stamp. He's good. He, he's not got much in it, but he, what he does, he's good in it. Um, yeah. Same with Diana Riggs, there's not much to her in it, but what she does, she's good in it because yeah. Diana Riggs and Terrence Stamp, you know, they're, they're good at what they do. You know, they've been around yeah. for a long time, they've, they've worked with the yeah. best, you know, they've done yeah. more films and 
you can possibly imagine. They know yeah. what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and and Smith, Matt, I can't take Matt. I think Matt Smith's got a bit of a comedy face that I can never take seriously. No, he's got. He's definitely. Got, you can tell there's a, there's a seediness to him in this. There's a nastiness yeah. to him in this, which he, he does bring across really well, and he, yeah. he really buy it. Interesting. Some decent scares in it. Not. It's not a, a, a straight out horror by any stretch. But the final act has got some decent jumps, and there's some really genuinely creepy shit in it um, that sort of really does get under your skin. Um, some decent twists as well. Like there's there's some very obvious ones that you know can't be it. So you can go like that can't be it. But Jill fell for yeah. one of them at least. And she was like, Oh, I thought that was I'm like, no, that was obvious. It couldn't be that. But um, so there's some nice twists in it. I kind of figured out the main twist in it just because I know who because you know who the actress is, and you go, Well, clearly she can have a bigger role to play in it than just that. So yeah. that kind of yeah. that when you know who when you know who that is, you go, Well, that's obvious. Not yeah. obvious, but you kinda go, they've got a bigger role to play in this. It can't just be yeah. that role. You can't just give that nothing you. Yeah. Yes, that cool. kind of thing. Um, for two thirds of it, I really was with it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent, and I was really, really with it. The third act didn't quite nail it the way I wanted it to nail. Oh. It does descend a lot. No, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's just sort of it just doesn't quite get what you want from it. It's it descends a little bit into just standard horror a little bit, which I felt the film was better than that. But it, was, yeah. it felt this need to rush, not rush the conclusion, but to get the conclusion and it needed this. And then the maturity and the sort of the poise of the, re- the previous two thirds of the film, the final act is sort of a little bit him going back to sort of the almost the hot fuzzing levels of action. Oh, okay. Which it's not bad, but it feels a little bit out of whack with what's came the before. Tone, so yeah, a little bit yeah. of tone sort of misjudgment there. But yeah. still insanely enjoyable. Looks phenomenal. Um, really wraps you up and you actually enjoy it and it's my film actually I've, I've, had, I've been thinking about it a wee bit ever since I watched it so cool. is it is it funny because you're saying it's sort of kind of dark and stuff like that does it have moments of kind there's of a couple moments of levity there's a couple of really there's actually a couple of really funny London jokes I think maybe they're yeah. there for the London crowd but I actually think they've nailed them pretty well um, yeah. it's definitely not Hot Fuzz Shaun the Dead or World's End laugh a thorns by any stretch of imagination Probably, mm-hmm. It's probably in more in tone with World's End in terms of the darkness of it, right. um, but it's, it's definitely it's definitely not playing for comedy. Cool, cool. Yeah. Out of ten, sir. Seven and a half. Cool. Well, that's a big score for a horror film. Um, yeah. Maybe not a big score for an Edgar Wright film, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going. I'm, I'm really, really wanting to see this desperately. So Monday, I'll, I'll see it and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts when we. I'm trying to rate my Edgar Wright films right now, and I'd probably put it. My, my least favourite is World's End. That, that's mm. my least favourite of all of them. Yeah. It's, I think it's better than that. Yeah. But it's not as good as Sean, Fuzz, or Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pilgrim, I'm, I'm, it's Pilgrim, I go back and forth for him because like, I love Scott Pilgrim the more I watch it. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, but I didn't, it didn't really grab me. I think, I, think I, was, I came to it too old. I was too old when I watched it. Right, I feel like okay. a film you've got to be, maybe you've got to be like a, like early twenties, and I was like later twenties. So it feels like it doesn't feel as cool as it should to me. But right. so much, it's so it's swinging so hard that you can go, you can't help but um, enjoy it. Yeah, doing. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely def- it's definitely been no means of embarrassment in the um, Edgar Wright um, filmography. It's still showing himself as an excellent filmmaker who you'll continually want to see more and more of. Cool, cool. Yeah. I look forward to seeing it, sir, very much. Yeah. Two hours and twenty, I think it is. So it is, it is chunky. Yeah, it's not. Two hours twenty. So, dude, we can sit through fucking 
much, much more than that comfortably. Yeah, but also it's 2020 of Edgar Wright, which I'm actually more than happy to sit through. 2020 of Edgar Wright, to be honest, yeah. so I'm okay with that. Um, does, final does film. It, does it labour? You're saying it's 220. No, 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 no. It yeah. doesn't labour. I'm just saying if you're trying try to line up your four or five films in a day, just take yeah. a pick out. And do it. <laughs> um, final film on our Netflix release because it was Halloween. I watched Night Teeth, um, oh. directed by Adam Randall, which um, we directed a film called I See You. I'll be very brief on this one because I don't think it's worth much time. But the plot of this <laughs> film, it's um, set in a world where vampires exist, but they have a truce with the human race where they don't attack them, they sort of hide in the shadows and they basically have these three rules they have to adhere to. Um, and there's a sort of gang warfare breaking out as one side is trying, one side of the vampire clan is trying to break out and change the rules and start feasting on humans and some people are fighting back against that. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know but a good one that you can you could work with, yeah. Yes, um, no one of interest in it, to be honest. You've got uh, Jorge Ledberg Jr., he plays a taxi driver. It's sort of like... Um, Almost like collateral a little bit. There's like two these two vampires are in his taxi and he's taking them around these sort of three locations. So it's got a wee bit right. of collateral to it. Okay. Um, Debbie Ryan, Lucy Fay, and Raul Castillo. So no one really of major note, to be honest. Um it's not great. It's it's not got a lot <laughs> going for it. Um I really didn't engage with it at all. I just found it 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 thinks it's very stylish, it thinks it's very smart. I think it's been really cool, but it's really not been very smart or cool. Is it is it well made? It's not badly made. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very generic. What yeah. it, the way I kept thinking when I was watching all the vampires in it, all the vampires in it look like the vampires who are going to end up in the nightclub at the start of Blade. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, yeah. I, I'm happy what's going to happen to you in my mind, that you're all yeah. going to end up getting killed by the Daywalker. So I'm okay <laughs> with that. Um, the cast are all very soap opera level and just it all kind of lacked interest. Um, oh. it, didn't really, it, it didn't really add anything new to the lore. Mm-hmm. You know, you've mm-hmm. seen this whole vampire trust idea with humans like sort of before, so you want to try and do yeah. something different, or even not yeah. different, to try and make it interesting. Yeah. Didn't do that. It does feel like it maybe should have been a TV show. Yeah. Oh, that's and, good. you know, and they just sort of, they went, oh, we can't, we can't really get a TV show, so we'll try and compress it into like a 90 minute movie. Um, and see how we go and well, it's not nice it's about 150 minutes no yeah, an hour and 50 it is all in but mm. yeah I was I was underwhelmed by it is, is it scary gory no no no, no. It's, oh. it's, just, it's not got a lot going for it honestly <laughs> it's just there's there's like bad vampire films I'd much rather watch than watch this you know like Twilight like, or some shit like that maybe? even something like remember that really shit Dracula remake they've done Recently, remember the one that was like the oh, the, where Luke Evans in it? Yeah, like I'd rather watch yeah. that to be honest. At least that had something yeah. in it. Oh, um, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost trying to be because the two vampires that start like, are obviously a, a female, and so it's almost trying to go for that kind of Jennifer's body kind of like sort of look at us being sort of like ultra feminist type thing. And yeah. no, nah, and it didn't really work for me in the same way as something like Jennifer's body does. Just I, I was bored. I got bored very quickly with it to be oh, honest, and I, and I tried to engage with it, but I just I couldn't engage. But you did sit through it. That's absolutely all, all one hour and 56 minutes of it. And all for the name of podcast. I love yeah, they'll have to talk for about a minute on it and, say, and basically say, dedica- watch it. It was shy. Out of 10, what would you give it? Four out of 10. Four out of Four is a wife, four, right? So it's, Wait, it's, not bad, it's, got, it's not badly made, Like nothing's like sort of egregiously bad. It's just, yeah. it's, it's like, it's, it, it's all shot in frame, everybody, but it's just, there's not really much else to it, but that's it. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just not a great, Genre movie, you know, because you can be a bat, you can be a very, you can be a a genre film and, and be sort of 
treadmill we're saying, Brent, but be enjoyably done, you know. Yeah. But this just didn't have that. You know, you know what I'm gonna put it out this way. I would rather watch John Carpenter's vampires than watch this. Well, that's got James Woods in it. How can you not want to watch that? Well, James Woods is a crazy this. mad bastard now, that's why. Yeah, but it's can I so what well, who's what's your favourite vampire film? Ooh, it's a good shout. Hmm. Blade is Blade's tough to beat in terms of but Blade Blade's up yeah because it's because it's vampires and it's geek as well. It's it's, and it's Wesley Snipes playing and a it's role. Wh- yeah, uh, yeah, it's like you know, it's prop maybe he's his most memorable role possibly. Tough to call because I mean Wesley Snipes yeah. some really interesting, but it is a tough. Yeah, I would probably say as one if I think Wesley Snipes, I think Blade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think Blade? Do you think Wesley Snipes? Do you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that the, obviously the, the more based of living vampire coming out that opens up the Blade world as well. Yeah. Um, and it's um, the guy from Green Book who's playing um, Blade. Oh, Blade, yeah, Maharashtra Ali, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, so yeah, yeah. I'm, he's a great actor, so I'm not, I'm not questioning yeah. that. But I'm like, is he Blade? Is he? It's, is he Wesley Snipes? Like, that's the problem, is it's not as a Blade, it's as a Wesley. So I think, you know, Blades became Wesley, much the same way as Nick Fury is now Samuel L. Jackson. Kind of, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, you know, the, the, the persons became the character, not a the little bit, yeah. I mean, Or RDJ became is, Iron Man. I'm trying to think, um, yeah. I really like the um, Coppola Dracula. I, I enjoy that immensely. That that's a that is a genre piece film. of a genre piece because there's like there's there's not an inch spared in that film, and some yeah. some of it is. Um, yeah. I think of the great um, vampire films. That I, I think that the, the Lost Boys possibly steals my heart because it's the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Um, I'm, I, I get Lost Boys later, so it's I've got quite quite the same emotional attachment to Lost oh, Boys. I, I do. I'm totally all about. I mean, but, I've seen that film more it, times than it's healthy. Let the right one in was a really good vampire film, which I, I never oh. Was that the Swedish one? The, the yes. remakes? Oh yeah, I've I've seen the Sweden one, but not the remake. The, the remake's actually is, pretty decent as well. The remake's actually well yeah, done. Yeah, as well. But the, the original, yeah, that that's a really good. It's quite clever as well. You no, know I'm, I'm going to call it because it's it's a vampire film. It's not a horror vampire film. But what we do in the shadows? No, no, that that's a vampire film as and well. And it's a phenomenal I, vampire film. It's, it's one that very, I go, I'll watch it at least once a year. So I would say that yeah, my favorite vampire film. Very, 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 very funny. Um, I've seen the, the third seasons out on on um, BBC. Netflix. I think or BBC. Yeah, BBC. so we need to watch that um, and delve into that. Still waiting for the werewolf one. We're not doing a werewolf one. No, there's not a werewolf one yet. Well, they've talked about doing a werewolf. What we do in the werewolf or something sort of like something mm. like that. But they're doing all stuff now. But there is a. Um, Wellington Paranormal. Have you not I've seen. That? I've seen the first two seasons. Very funny. Yeah, it's. Very, I love Sergeant Hacker. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just no one does deadpan like New Zealand. Just that well, accent is just designed for deadpan, isn't it? This is the thing is, there's a, there's a there's a Taika Waititi show now on Disney. Have you watched it yet? Reservation Dogs. No. So it's it's basically set on like a Indian reservation and it's these like right. four kids trying to you know, make enough money, scam their way off the reservation, trying to sort of move to California. But you get involved in all this sort of family stuff and they decide they want to try and do good for the community rather than bad. And it's sort of then try to be kind of good, but also try and get off. And it's, it's, it's like a nice premise and it's quite sweet and it's set in this kind of world where it is quite unique, you know, the, Indi- the Indian reserves when it's like, you know, it's sort of almost like self-contained little mm. like sort of worlds, yeah. you know, where they don't really yeah. venture out too much. It's got it's got the New Zealand. It's the lines are done by Americans, so it doesn't quite hit the same. Yeah. The deadpanness needs that New Zealand deadpan in order yeah. to, to really nail it across. 
Um, and with the American accent on it, American sort of sort of style of like sort of acting, it just it doesn't. It's still times quite funny, but it just doesn't quite have that same zip to the. Not quite as funny. Yeah, yeah there's just something about that Kiwi accent. It's just magic on it. It's just yeah. so yeah. Makes me chuckle. Makes me chuckle. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, ninety-four out of ten. That's us for this week. Next week, we've got some interesting stuff. We have got out, um, on Netflix, which I really do want to watch. It looks really inter- really good. The The Hard of the Fall, which is a Chris Elba Black Cowboy movie. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Heard really good yeah. things about. Did you, did you know okay. one in four cowboys in America were black? Did not know that, no. I mean, how many films can you remember? How many films can you remember with a like a African American cowboy apart from Unforgiven? Oh, the, the, there's a few because you can get silly stuff like Blazing Saddles and things like that as well. Yeah. So, so they, they are out there, um, definitely there. But yeah, it's definitely a part that America likes to whitewash. Yes. Didn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And if you, I read some of the stories of the people because these are all based the, the fish film. I don't know if all the people in it are came together at one time, but all the characters are based on real people. Okay, cool. And I've read a story about one of the guys in it. I think it might be the guy that Idris Elba plays. And holy shit, what a life! Like honestly, his yeah. his film in itself could should be a life. You know, you know, uh, it should be the film and not yeah. this. Yeah, well, yeah. So no, I mean, I'll I'll be interested in that because I do like a western as well. I love western as well, and western some yeah. a good western something you really do look forward to. And Idris yeah. Elba in it, it's got um, uh, who else in it as well? Some, it's got a really good. I know Idris Elba's the main kind of guy in it, but it's got the guy mm. who played. He who should now be not be named at the um um uh and Loki. Harry Potter? No, oh, Loki. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's he's good as well. So he's in last he's in the last black man in San Francisco as well. Yeah. Him, yeah. he's very good actor. I'm forget I'm blanking on his name right now, but a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out on Netflix. On Apple Plus, I don't know if you get Apple Plus, um, you've got a new Tom Hanks movie called Finch. Oh, Okay, so it's almost it's like about... it's he's got a dog and it's the end of the world and it's sort of a bit like the road I think it looks like from what I saw he's trying to go across country with this dog in tow. This sounds like a Kevin Costner vehicle rather than a Tom Hanks vehicle. There's a little bit, but it's getting decent. Yeah. It's, it's a fair interesting things about it. It's getting not bad reviews. And it's Tom Hanks for God's sake. I mean, when is Tom Hanks being wholesome? Hanks, Hanks never disappoints. Never, never. It's yeah. There's not a bad Hanks movie. There's bad movies, but there's not. You know about Hanks movie because Hanks is always there's not none. Oh, can he? The, no. the woman he plays the hologram for a king. That's not a good film. I didn't mind that so oh, much. Call it, I can tell you a bad. I can tell you a bad Hanks performance right now. What? Da Vinci Codes. <gasps> I don't know that he was particularly bad in them. I think he no. Was... I think he's. I think they make Tom Hanks. Compl- he is wooden as fuck. Like Tom Hanks did not want to be there. He's uh, that. That is a paycheck movie. You think so? Oh. Yes. Tom Hanks has yeah. no investment in that whatsoever. It's like the only film you ever watch with Tom Hanks where he actually is actively has no charisma and no and like no enjoyment in it. Yeah, because he is um I think we've spoken this before, but um Captain Phillips, remember that? And all yeah. the way through the film, he just plays a staunch character and then just at the very end he gives that one look and yeah. it's just two seconds long, and you're like, that's Oscar running right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just so- like only Hanks can do that. Only, only Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. yeah, man. So Finch, <laughs> like I said, it does sound, it does sound a little bit like a B movie, like one was a straight to DVD one, but the inclusion of Hanks in it does make you go, you know what? Um I'm in. I don't know if I've got Apple TV or not. I might have. Um I think I've always found it quite problematic getting it from the phone to the TV, which is often yeah. my problem. Which you is you got a PlayStation, you get it on your PlayStation as well. I don't have a PlayStation. Okay. So. Um but sure Apple TV, off. I would Apple Apple TV, I would actually say if I'm trying to think of the comparison. So 
Netflix is probably your bargain bin you get at a service station of, of films. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amazon is a little bit like sort of your HMV. It's got about, it's got about everything that may not enough of the ones yeah. you want. So it's got, it's got a good selection, um, yeah. solid collection, you know, old, bit of old, bit of new, bit of a material, yeah. a lot of crap as well. But it's, it's got a good, sort of wider range of film. Mm-hmm. Apple's sort of like your sort of high-end you know, sort of like criterion collection stuff. Not always great in terms of that, but it's it's a bit more refined in its collection. It's not just putting it's not just putting a shit ton of stuff on. You know, they've only done a few films so far. They've done the one the um, the one about Hanks being the uh, captain of the boat trying across the Atlantic during um oh, Captain Phillips. No, it's World, World mm-hmm. War Two, and he's trying to get like a convoy across. Oh um, yeah, another one you mean yeah. that one? Yeah. They've done that. They've done, they've done the Beastie Boys film as well, which is amazing. Um, so I've done a few things, but they're not quite as they're not pumping stuff out. They're a bit more refined with what they're doing, so it's a bit more curated. Where does Disney? Good. Where does Disney rate in your, your kind of scale of Disney's actually, with the inclusion of stars on Disney? Yeah. I'm actually liking Disney. It's got a lot more interesting older stuff, like whereas you know Netflix has got nothing beyond 1994 essentially, or 95, not even 95. It's like basically late oh, yeah. 90s. There's nothing. Yeah. Whereas Disney's got like some really random stuff, you go, Holy shit, I can't believe that on this, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. It's, I think the problem with Disney is there's just not enough movies on there yet, not yet. But it's a bigger library, I'll get there, but yeah, as they start opening the library up, I think you can see a lot more. But they get stuff like quiz show on it and things like that, you go, like, yeah. Fuck, yeah, it's like, why did they get that on it? But it's like, well yeah. done for having that somewhere to, to, to watch broadcast you know, so, news, stuff like that, yeah, uh, stuff that you're just like, you know, this is. Really classic films that yeah. you put on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking love broadcast news. <laughs> so, of course, it's a great movie. <laughs> an amazing movie. <laughs> Under, underrated classic um, broadcast news. Anyway, also out this week in the cinema, we have The Card Counter, which is a new Paul Schaefer film starring um, Oscar Isaac, looking yeah. very handsome. Um, it, looks really inter- it looks really good. The guy who wrote Taxi Driver, so I mean, it's going to be well written, if anything. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, no, it, 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 the trailer for it, and it actually does. It looks looks like it's going to be slow, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It is looks a very November be? film. You know, like a film you'd yeah. watch in November. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, man. Got yeah, it. I mean, uh, and also out we have the I'm going to say is it the 29th or something entry into the MCU. Um, I think it's hanging on up to 24, maybe 24. 24 now. Actually, so, not, maybe not even. Yeah, yeah. And that is The Eternals. Yeah, yeah. Which I've not had any interest in at all since it was announced up until the latest trailer. And then when I seen the newest trailer, I was like, I want to fucking see that. I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm there. I'll be honest, I'm going into this one. This is the first Marvel film I'm going into with absolutely no knowledge of any of any stuff in it. Like, I went into Shang-Chi yeah. with. I knew some stuff in Shang-Chi, but not a lot. Yeah. I knew a good chunk about Black Panther. Um, I didn't know a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'd know a little bit about Guardians of the Galaxy. Same, yeah. I knew who they were, the kind of yeah. Star Lord, Rocket, Raccoon and stuff like that. Were kind of known to me. But yeah, I'm the same with you, but this one, I'm like, I, I don't know anything about these characters at all. And I'll be honest, I did kind of, when I was reading, when I was doing my sort of back, when I was younger, reading back on old Marvel, I did kind of really skip the cosmic Marvel. I, I didn't really jive on it that much, um, to be honest. So, yeah, probably actually out, out with Silver Surfer, yeah, and Fantastic Four, I guess, are kind of cosmic. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't delve that much into it either. I was always more Green Lantern for cosmic stuff, which yeah. was the other side of the fence, DC. Yeah. But um, it, the only kind of fear I've got for this film that I've spoken about before in the podcast is the amount of Game of Thrones actors that are in it. Um, I'm kind of worried as to are they capable of 
you know, pulling off a big enough performance for for the, the, the kind of grandness of this movie's proposing to, to be. It's that kind of thing where you know like most of the Game of Thrones actors started out in Brookside or Hollyoaks and you're going, yeah. like, you should really have a Hollywood movie fronted by people. I mean, again, you could, Margot Robbie started in Neighbours, so did... It can happen, but I, there's there's three or four of them, I think, and I'm like, that's a lot of people for Game of Thrones that I've never been impressed by. So let's see how it goes. It's, it's yeah, which I'm excited about is Richard Madden. Is it him that's in it? Yeah. He's doing his yeah. Scottish accent. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, which which is, is quite good. Um, and the, first Scottish, Joe, the first Scottish um, MCU entrant. Is it? Oh well. well apparently um, it was like literally five minutes before shooting on Guardians 2, I think it was, when they brought in Nebula. When um they decided maybe I think either one of them, like I think it was Taryn Gillian turned to James who was it James who who directed. Oh, I can't remember. Director went like, What accent am I doing for this? So like we almost were about five minutes away from having a Highland sounding nebula. And decided to instead to, um, to go more sort of oh James James Gunn no, that James Gunn yeah um, what what about um, I don't know if this I don't know if this is MCU canon it's it's in the Marvel kind of corridor I guess um, Moira McTaggart from the X Men she is Scottish is she... in the she is Scottish in the um, the comics but she's not Scottish in the in the, in the well, she not no I'm trying to think because that, that's no, cause it's um, it. yeah uh, she didn't do a Scottish accent no yeah so we've got a first Scotsman yay yeah he's, and he's yeah so we go so that's that's what we're going to talk about next week Call oh. with, what's going what about Ray, Ray Parks is he not Scottish he doesn't talk he, though he 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 was told doesn't talk he though. Did they not have a couple of lines? And I think Ray Park was born in Glasgow but mainly lived in London, so I don't think he really I'm, I'm, ju- I'm clutching here up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, Ray I'm Park's def- a bit the Martin Offer about him. You know, he was, he was you know, in Glasgow for about 10 minutes and then moved to somewhere else. He's like Rod Stewart. He's like, I promise I'm Scottish. I'm like, really? You know? Well, Ray Park is Scottish but moved to London, whereas Rod Stewart was English who moved to Glasgow, who yeah. wants to be Scottish. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, tell me what you find us. You can find us uh, at Free Beers and Movie, so it's the number Free Beers and Movie on Instagram, we're on um, Gmail, we're on Facebook, we're, we're Twitter, we're, we're everywhere. We're, we're dotted all over social media because we're hip and trendy that way, so we are as kids. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> look us up, give us some thumbs up and some likes and some acknowledgement, and uh, we might even say hello back. You never know. I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and we have been Free Beers and a Movie.